Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to introduce a new sponsor to the podcast. Hillsdale College has been a longtime sponsor of the broadcast. And for the new year, they've graciously agreed to exclusively sponsor the first hour or segment of the podcast. I believe deeply in the principles and mission of Hillsdale College, which I share with you during the upcoming segment. My thanks and appreciation to Hillsdale College for their long partnership with the show. And now, the podcast. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Make no mistake about it, we are living in a police state. Yes, this is a police state. And I'm not trying to be dramatic here. When you have the FBI talking about using the 25th Amendment to the Constitution to remove a duly elected president of the United States, when law enforcement is used for politics, that is a police state. Not a dramatic opinion, a fact. Welcome to the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off tonight. I am Rich Zioli, back with you tonight, fellow Levinites. Thank you for being part of the show on an incredibly busy day today, 877-381-3811. We'll get to the border stuff. This bill has major, major problems, major problems, and I do not think the president should sign it. All right, let's talk about first, though, this police state that we're living in right now. You have to realize something, and this is what I think is very relevant to the times we're in. There are people who are defending Andrew McCabe today. After Andrew McCabe went on television with Scott Pelley, And said, yeah, we chatted about using the 25th Amendment to the Constitution. I have a question. When did the FBI or the Department of Justice become the fourth branch of government? They're they're part of the executive branch of government. But they were attempting to do a coup. Let's, Let's call it what it is, a coup. They were attempting a coup on the boss, the president of the United States. Most basic terms, imagine at your job if you try to take out the boss. Just imagine it in the most basic terms. You try to take out your boss, because the president is the boss of the executive branch of government, of which the Department of Justice is part of. Let's go a step further, though, since we're dealing with the presidency of the United States of America. You had people who were politically motivated to stop him from getting elected. Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, James Comey, and others. They were politically motivated to help Hillary Clinton win. They thought she was going to win. They did everything they could. They used a phony dossier as an excuse to get warrants to spy on American citizens who've never been charged, by the way. Carter Page has yet to be charged with a crime. To spy on them in violation of their Fourth Amendment rights of the Constitution for the purposes of infiltrating a presidential campaign. They infiltrate the campaign. Then they try to stop the election from happening the way they fear it will go. Meaning they try to do whatever they can to keep Donald Trump from being elected. And he is elected to their surprise. So then they try to stop him from being elected by the Electoral College. Because they keep leaking stuff. This all goes back to when uh, they sat down with, with the press on an off-the-record meeting about the dossier to get the dossier out in the press so that they could realize and everybody could look at the dossier and go, oh, well, it must be legit. Uh, they briefed the president on it. They briefed the president, so obviously the dossier must have must have merit. No, it did not have merit. They purposely briefed the president and then leaked it to the press to give this Russian dossier the illusion of authenticity when it had none. And let's go back even further. Let's go back to when Mark Levin said that Trump Tower was being wiretapped, spied on, whatever phrase, whatever terminology you want to use. 
Well, you know, wiretapped is a great example of this because I think wiretapping is something we can all relate to. When Mark Levin said that, he was mocked by all of these talking heads and all of these comedians. Remember that? They're mocking him. Oh, this conservative kook with his conspiracy ideas. Well, turns out he was absolutely right. He was right. They were spying on candidate Donald Trump. They were wiretapping, eavesdropping, listening, spying, infiltrating people's Fourth Amendment rights, whatever you want to call it. They were doing those things. We'll eventually, I hope, find out exactly what they did. And then the president uh, becomes the president-elect. Then he's uh, elected by the electors, so he's officially now the president-elect. Then the inauguration occurs in January. They're still texting back and forth, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, how they can stop this from happening. Well, they can't, but they figure on early on, Peter Strzok says, well, we'll have an investigation. We might be talking about impeachment here. All these little text messages, all these little, you know, let's let's talk about impeachment. Let's talk about investigations. We can cripple his presidency by just having nonstop investigations. And this is way cooler than anything else we can do. Two of them back and forth, back and forth like lovers with their Valentine's Day messages to each other about about removing a duly elected president. And then we find out after the president fires James Comey, which is absolutely his constitutional right to do, because the president of the United States gets to fire the FBI director if he wants to, for any reason or no reason at all, as James Comey himself said. Then we find out in a period of eight days, eight days, eight days in May, which I guess will be a new movie coming out, they debated, they being Andrew McCabe and the FBI, the Department of Justice, they debated having the cabinet and the vice president of the United States invoke the 25th Amendment to remove the president from office. The 25th Amendment. The 25th Amendment to the Constitution to remove an unfit president from office or a president who's sick or a president who can't do the job anymore. They were counting heads without actually calling each cabinet member. They were assessing, well, we think this one might be with us. We think this one might be with us. They're working to remove a president. The Department of Justice the law enforcement division of the federal government is trying to overturn an election. And more people are not concerned about this than I ever imagined. Like, I really, I guess I'm a little optimistic or maybe naive. Maybe I'm idealistic. I guess I would think that when it turns out your government's police department is trying to get involved politically and remove a president, whether you like him or not. And to me, it goes, well, that's Stasi, that's East Germany, that's Russia, that's Cuba, it's all these places, China. And all of us, regardless of our politics, should be very, very concerned by this. In fact, outraged over this and call it what it is, which is a coup, and say, not here. not We don't do it this way here. It's not what we do. All right, you win some, you lose some. There's another election in four years. You don't use the guys with guns, badges, warrants, subpoena power to try to undo an election. It's not how it works. And yet today, there's either people who are saying what this is, which is a coup, treason, absolutely, all of those things are appropriate analogies to this. Or you have other people going, yeah, but they had legitimate concerns. CNN today, which is a joke of a network, I mean, completely of a joke, a complete joke. They said today, was it a coup or concern? And that's their legitimate question they asked their audience, a coup or concern? My question is, why are they not concerned that a coup was attempted here against the president of the United States of America? A coup was attempted. Make no mistake about this. They tried and failed. 
They tried and failed, but they tried to have a coup against Donald Trump. What else do you call it? They counted heads. Counted heads. I, I don't know how this worked exactly, but I imagine maybe they had a chart and they had all the cabinet members listed and they said, he's with us, he's against us, he's with us. How many votes do we need? Where does Pence go in all this? What do we do? How do we do this? And by keeping the investigation about Russia going and putting pressure on them to say, hey, we think this guy really got here because of Russia. They have no proof of this. There's no way to back that up. And that's really the, the, the troubling, troubling part of all of this. They never had any proof that Donald Trump was anything regarding Russia. Nothing. It'll be one thing if they said, hey, look, we found this thing and it's, it's pretty obvious here. This guy's only here because of Putin. What do we do? We got to do something. Because that's what you're going to hear from pundits on the left and others in the media. They're going to say, well, yes, but what would you do if you had a Russian asset? Well, we don't. See, that's the thing we don't. If we did, yes, let's talk about that. But we don't. Had the FBI and the Department of Justice had some sort of smoking gun proof that, yes, in fact, Vladimir Putin himself put Donald J. Trump in the White House, that would be one thing. They had no evidence of anything. They launched a counterintelligence investigation into the president of the United States based on a dossier paid for with DNC dollars, the Clinton campaign involved, even though they never tell the judges this when they go for their FISA warrants. James Comey just leaves that part out of it based on this political creation of opposition research, which is a fantasy. They then use that as the basis to launch a counterintelligence investigation against the duly elected president of the United States of America. And then they try a coup to remove him from office using a provision in the Constitution known as the 25th Amendment. What else do you call that? Not dramatic. It's a police state. We are living in a police state in this country because we have now the FBI and the Department of Justice using law enforcement powers that they've been given under the guise of keeping us safe from terrorists and drug dealers and werewolves and bad guys, using those powers now to affect a political outcome. They were so biased against Donald Trump, so biased against him during the election, after the election, while he's president. They literally thought they could they could remove him from office in the course of eight days. In the course of eight days, we had an ongoing coup against the president of the United States of America. And my question is, will any of these people be ever be charged with a crime? Will any of these people ever be ousted from their jobs? Will any of these people ever be fully exposed? I'd like to know. I think you'd like to know. Now, you know, uh, this uh, interview with Andrew McCabe on 60 Minutes, Scott Pelley and the CBS Morning Show discussed this, and I'll play that for you in a, in a couple minutes, but I, I want to hear this now. I want, I want you to play this, uh, this cut for me, Dan, if you would. This is now Mike Pence, the Vice President of the United States here. Cut three. Reaction to that. Did well, you know about that? Uh, I never heard of it. I never heard of any discussion of the 25th Amendment, and frankly, I... I find any suggestion of it to be absurd. This president has been producing for the American people, and I couldn't be more proud to stand with him. And uh, uh, the words or the writings of a disgraced FBI agent um, won't change that fact for the American people. And you've people. never heard of this before? I have never heard any discussion of the 25th Amendment by members of this government, and I would never expect to. You know what I think happened? I think they talked about it behind the scenes. I don't think they ever actually spoke to a cabinet member about this. I think what they did is they did a poll in their office. They lined up all the cabinet members in their heads, their faces, 
And they said, uh, well, so what do you think about Rick Perry? He'd be with us or against us? What do you think about, uh, I, I don't know, Mattis? What, what do you think Defense Secretary Mattis would be on this? What about, uh, you know, so-and-so? Just down the list, down the list. Jeff Sessions, where would he be? Would Jeff Sessions vote? Down the list, each cabinet member, and they never had the votes. That's why the vice president never heard about it, because they never had the votes. This is what I mean about a failed coup. They sat there, they went through this, they tried their best, and they couldn't get it done because, A, the cabinet's loyal to the president, but B, they're not stupid. There was no evidence of anything involving Russia that would justify removing the president of the United States of America using the 25th Amendment, something reserved for when presidents are incapacitated, when presidents completely lose it, when presidents are in a coma, Serious, serious issues when a president cannot do his job. It has never been used. It should never be used unless you have an actual reason to use it. These guys had nada, not a thing. And yet they did a little head count. That's what McCabe says. And look, you, you know, some people have dismissed this. Well, maybe he's just trying to sell books. Yeah, maybe he is. Maybe he is. But the fact of the matter is you have now enough evidence of this soft coup, which I think now is just an outright coup, of an outright failed coup against the president, from people who were disgruntled leftists working in the police department of the federal government who did not want this guy to win. They wanted Hillary to win. They were dead set on impeaching him. They were dead set on investigating him to try to cripple his presidency from the start. And then they were dead set on trying to remove him from office themselves. Themselves. They're not elected by anybody. They're not elected And yet here they were trying to do something against the will of the people. What do you call that other than a coup? Because if this happened in any other country in the world, we would all say the exact same thing. A failed coup. You'd call it a failed coup if it happened anywhere else in the world, typically in third world countries where these things happen. And that's exactly what happened here. A failed coup against the 45th president of the United States of America. 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Rich Zioli in for the great one. Mark Levin, straight ahead. Mark Levin. I want to thank our sponsor, Hillsdale College, for all they do to try and maintain the greatness of America. You know, most colleges have enough trouble maintaining the greatness on their own campuses, and they have declined, and they have fallen into cultural rot, not Hillsdale College. It's a special place, and now they reach out to all citizens of the country to spread the word of liberty, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, capitalism, all the great things that make America what she is today. And now that Congress is under new leadership, it already seems to be on a mission to thwart our liberty, doesn't it? Yours and mine. But too many representatives don't know how to preserve liberty, and too many of them don't care. We call them progressives. But I'm not interested in the progressives. I'm interested in you, we the people. It's up to we the people to retain what we have earned and to retain what we have received from our founding fathers. And our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check. And being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. That's why for a limited time, my good friends at Hillsdale have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back, absolutely free, to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. Hillsdale is on a mission to restore liberty like the rest of us. And you can take their excellent online course for free for a limited time. Sign up today for this critical course 
at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore. Learn about liberty, the Declaration, the Constitution. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. should have had a special counsel probe. That's right. Welcome back. The great one is off tonight. Mark Levin. I am Rich Zioli with you tonight. Fellow Levinites on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Yes, uh, Andrew McCabe had several meetings with Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein that focused on how to protect and establish terms of oversight for the ongoing investigations of Russia. In one of those meetings, McCabe argued for the formation of a special counsel because it would improve the investigation's credibility and avoid missteps from the probe of Hillary Clinton's email scandal. Quote from the book. Later that day, I went to see Rosenstein again. This is the gist uh, of what I said. I feel strongly that the investigation would be best served by having a special counsel. I've been thinking about the Clinton email case and how he got twisted in knots over how to announce a result that did not include bringing charges against anyone. Had we appointed a special counsel in the Clinton case... We might not be in the present situation unless or until you make the decision to appoint a special counsel. The FBI will be subjected to withering criticism that could destroy the credibility of both the Justice Department and the FBI. Guess what? Your credibility has been destroyed. Both the Justice Department and the FBI. Your credibility is shot to hell, completely shot to hell. And uh, in my opinion, should also be shot into the uh, confines of an investigation a major investigation for an attempted coup against the president. You know, they admit here that they didn't have a special counsel for Hillary Clinton's emails because they wanted to cover for her. They thought she was going to win. They bet on the wrong horse. They thought she was going to win, so they figured no big deal. But they would have covered it up anyway. They would have made sure the special counsel did their bidding Why they've got Robert Mueller to do their bidding now. They would have made sure the special counsel did their bidding, but they figured that at least they could have had some sort of a, a, a cover for it. They fully admit they screwed up. They fully admit that their bias in the Hillary Clinton email investigation showed. Showed for everybody to see. Shown like a light. A thousand lights. And uh, lit up the entire world when James Comey came out and gave that press conference. Saying no prosecutor would ever prosecute. Right. And they just said, well, if we had a special counsel, we could have uh, had a little bit of cover. Completely admitting they screwed up. And then they say, let's have a special counsel against Trump. Yeah, let's do that. Because you know what? If we do that, then we can have a little hands-off approach. Only it didn't work out that way, did it? Because in the course of all this, and all this stuff comes out, Peter Strokes text messages to Lisa Page, and these FISA warrants against a guy that was never charged with a crime, Carter Page, and all of this nonsense coming out, and the credibility of the FBI and the Department of Justice now looks exactly like a police organization with political objectives. And there are a lot of countries in the world that had those police organizations with political objectives, by the way. And most of them were incredibly successful. They weren't successful here. They came close, though. They came close. You know, I've heard people suggest McCabe's making this up. Ask yourself this question. If he's not making this up, what do we do? What do we do about this? I'm dead serious about this. Because if they tried and failed this time, who's to say they won't succeed next time? That's the question. The Mark Levin Show, Rich Zioli in for the great one, 877-381-3811. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, it appears that the new congressional leadership is on a course to impede our liberty, your liberty and mine and the future liberty of your children and your grandchildren. Many of our representatives simply don't understand or care about the critical imperative to preserve our liberty. And it would seem that some of these so-called progressives actually seek to kill it. And these progressives are quite unlikely to understand or learn these things, which is why we have to. We need to overcome them. Our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check and be being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. Now, to help us understand this critical issue for a limited time, my friends at Hillsdale College have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back, absolutely free to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. I encourage you to check out this course, but not just you, your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors. Spread the word of liberty like Hillsdale College is. Hillsdale is on an important mission to restore liberty in our great country. And for a limited time, you can take their excellent and enlightening online courses for free. I urge you to sign up right now for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't work anymore. Learn more about liberty. Spread the word. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the modern voice of the founding fathers. This is the Mark Levin Show. Dial in now at 877-381-3811. Mark has been inspired by the Founding Fathers. I was inspired by Mark Levin to get into talk radio, and I'm glad I did. Really glad I did. Rich Zioli in for the great one. You know, Mark said a while ago that Donald Trump was spied on by the government. Wiretapped and spied on by our government. And look, you know, our government spies on a lot of people. They violate the Constitution all the time when it comes to your liberty. All the time they do this. It's constant with them. The NSA and all these other places. But, you know, we were told they did all this to keep us safe from terrorists, right? So, you know, just sacrifice a little bit of liberty and sacrifice the Fourth Amendment. It's all good. We'll keep you safe from terrorists. A lot of bad guys out there. And I warned about this, as did others, that the government, when you give them, you sacrifice a little bit of your civil liberties here and there. They never give it back. In fact, they weaponize it and use it politically. They use it politically to achieve their own ends because they have all the power. They've got the courts. They've got the warrants. They've got this FISA court, this secret FISA court, which nobody even knows how it works, what happens, what goes on. And so when it came out that the president was, in fact, being spied on by the government, Mark Levin said that on the air. He revealed that to everybody, and he was mocked. And today we find out that Andrew McCabe announcing that, yeah, they talked about a coup against the president, the, invoking the 25th Amendment of the United States Constitution to try to remove a duly elected president of the United States. Based on stuff they obtained, never obtained, based on methods they tried to obtain, violating his civil liberties and spying on him. In fact, the spying on him was what was the justification they didn't find anything, but by spying on him, they were able to say, oh, we have a legitimate investigation. No, you don't. Just because you're spying on somebody does not mean it's a legitimate investigation. But after Mark made that announcement, that revelation, he was mocked by several geniuses who were on late night television posing as comedians. Lefties who pretend like they're comedians. They're not. And they're not funny, by the way, anymore, because politics can be funny. And I think some of us do a very good job making it funny. These guys have an agenda. And so they lose the humor part of it. And all they do is just wind up being nothing more than grandstanders, quite frankly. 
Every now and then they get a joke off, but most of the time they, they fail miserably. But here's a little montage that Mr. Producer put together of, uh, of all of them blasting Mark Levin as some right-wing kook. Take a listen. White House officials say that the president's sources were various conservative outlets, most prominently perhaps radio host Mark Levin, who seemed to take three basic chunks of information and combine them into one conspiracy theory of what he calls a silent coup. And on the conservative Breitbart website, which Friday highlighted a conspiracy-loving radio talk show host, Mark Levin. Now the story asserted that Obama has been trying to undermine Trump at every turn. As you can see from the headline, it was inspired by a Thursday night radio segment by conservative talk show host Mark Levin. Apparently, uh, this idea came from right-wing radio host and unlicensed gynecologist Mark Levin, who ranted about these wiretaps on his radio show. That show was then written up by Breitbart as Mark Levin to Congress investigate Obama's silent coup versus Trump. What does the White House gain by the president of the United by Steve Bannon most likely handing the president of the United States a, a Breitbart article. article and 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 talking about what a rabid right wing talk show host uh, has been theorizing. Start with uh, firebrand conservative radio host Mark Levin uh, briefly for people who don't know who is he. He's uh, got quite a following, and he's not just a conservative figure, but often espousing relatively radical positions about the need to uh, reinvent the Constitution and the government and ways in which we think about society. The notion that Mark Levin is a news outlet, it's, it's not the New York Times, it's not the Washington Post, it's not the Wall Street Journal, it's not the L.A. Times, it's not a major news network. It's Mark Levin, a guy who, you know, I know what talk radio guys do, on left and right, mostly on right, they rile, rile people up with outrageous charges and nobody keeps count of them. But here's the President of the United States getting his information from these people. Evidence for suggesting President Obama has committed a crime seems pretty thin. The detailed speculation from a conspiracy-loving talk show host, like Mark Levin. Okay, I think we can now officially declare that Trump has a worse media diet than the son of Sam Killer. And he got all his news from a talking dog who told him to murder. Of course, none of these people are concerned about what Mark actually talked about. They just wanted to mock him. Brian Stelter from CNN, who's about to hit puberty any day now. And Stephen Colbert, who's not funny. And these guys going on and on. Right-wing conspiracy host. I don't know about you, but I listen to Mark Levin every day. And I've never heard Mark Levin question things like the moon landing or, uh, I don't know, you know, who shot JFK. Or the, he's not a conspiracy guy. You know this. Mark's uh, one of the most intelligent guys out there. And he knows the law. And he knows the Constitution way better than these guys. But you notice how none of them refuted any of the claims that Mark made? None of them, not even the pretend journalists, Jake Tapper and, and, and the others. None of them. Now, Chris Matthews riles people up every night on MSNBC. Riles them up. It's salivating all over and spitting at the camera and everything else. Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough, every morning with his let's compare Trump to Hitler day. Every day. Every day, let's just compare Trump to Hitler. Once in a while, Mussolini. Sometimes Stalin. It depends, really, but... It's always a, uh, a genocidal maniac dictator. That's the one consistent thing you can find on Morning Joe. That and Mika agreeing with everything Joe says. That is for sure. But none of them ever disputed anything Mark said. Which is that the FBI, the Department of Justice, the NSA used their powers to infiltrate a presidential campaign because they didn't want the guy to become president. 
And that doesn't concern these lefties. You know why? Because they're happy with the outcome. Just imagine for a moment. Let's pretend. Let's just pretend. Why not, right? Let's pretend. Pretend for a minute it worked out the other way. Let's pretend that Hillary Clinton was president right now. I know. Don't don't scream. Don't scream. Just Shh, calm down. Let's pretend. Though. And then we find out that the uh, the you know, let's say the Bush administration, let's say the Obama, we find out the Bush Department of Justice worked very hard to keep him from getting elected. They spied on his campaign. They used uh, some claims about uh, whatever to say that maybe we have to go in there and infiltrate and listen and find out what he knows. And and you had text messages going back and forth between Bush FBI agents about how we got to stop this guy. Do you think these idiots in the uh, in the media and the late night comedians would just dismiss it as a joke? Here we are now today with a FBI acting FBI uh, loser, Andrew McCabe, who says, yeah, we talked about the 25th Amendment in eight, eight days in May, 25th Amendment. And they talk about this to remove a president of the United States and nobody in the media cares because they would have loved that to happen. They would have loved it. The truth is, they are so willing to sacrifice liberty and the Constitution and even, yes, have a police state for their ideas. And, and quite frankly, that's not that out of the realm of every other leftist state in the world, right? I mean, the thing about lefties is that they're consistent. All of their states have uh, extreme police powers. I'm not talking about the local cop on the beat. That's not what I'm talking about. It's funny, though, right? You always hear lefties talk about a police state whenever there's, uh, I don't know, cops on horseback at a parade. But this is what a police state is. It's when these these countries control elections and the outcome of elections using their their powers. And every single society in the world that is socialist, communist, that's how they do it. And what's also charming is that their ideas on things like climate and the economy line up perfectly with the ideas of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Bernie Sanders, etc., etc. You see what I mean? The reason why they're not concerned about a police state is because they would absolutely love a police state. If they were in charge, they would love it. Sure, because then they could make sure that that they were controlling the climate by being able to shut down coal-fired power plants on a whim and confiscating guns on a whim. And, of course, making sure that nobody ever became president again, like Donald Trump. They would love that. Every society on Earth that deals in communism and socialism, fascism, whatever, has a strong federal police presence. They scare the citizens. They scare the hell out of the citizens. They beat up their citizens. They, they, they terrify them. Now, what they did to Carter Page, is that any different, really? I mean, here's this dope Carter Page. I don't know the guy, but he just doesn't seem to me to be exactly, you know, I, from what I know about, he, let's put it this way, he wasn't around. I, I just know that for a fact. He wasn't around. But they did spy on the guy, and they've never charged him with a crime. They violated his liberties. Nobody cares. That's how it would work on a, on a regular basis. If Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, another odd communist, got her way. If Bernie got his way, just like Russia, Soviet Union, where he spent his honeymoon. The guy honeymooned in the Soviet Union. I mean, the weather's amazing. The all-inclusive resorts, you get to choose a potato, slice of bread, 
All the vodka you can drink, though. I do have to say that. That's one of those things that those all-inclusive Russian Siberian resorts, I mean, it's, and very quiet, by the way. They're very, very quiet. That's where Bernie Sanders spent his honeymoon. And that's not the kookiest thing you've ever heard in your life. I, mean, I spent my honeymoon in Italy. It was amazing. Naples and then, uh, you know, Tuscany, the Amalfi Coast. Who the hell wants to spend their honeymoon in the Soviet Union other than a, a lefty commie? But that's what Bernie is. And that's if Bernie Sanders got had his way, I, I'd be shut down from doing this. Mark Levin would be shut down. All of us would. And they would control so much of us. They try to do it now, don't they? I mean, how much does the left try to control every single thing we do for the good of the blank, for the good of the children, for the good of the whatever it is? Limiting your choices, limiting your freedom, all under the guise of controlling you so they can achieve their utopia. That's why they're not freaking out about this. Everybody should be freaked out by the idea that they try to do a coup against the president of the United States of America. And the left doesn't care because the left would have been thrilled with the outcome. The media doesn't care. The media would have been thrilled with the outcome had it gone their way. And they would use these powers again in the future as much as they possibly could to get their way. Because it's all about the big picture with them. It's all about winning and taking the will away from the minority. That's why they want to get rid of the Electoral College, so that California and New York can decide for everybody in the country, because they believe their ideas are so advanced. And you MAGA hat wearing rubes out there, you people, we're the ones holding them back from their utopia with our ideas about freedom and guns and God and kids being able to survive the womb. That's what I mean. They think we are the problem with our pollution and our cars, and our SUVs, and our electricity, and whatnot. And they would love to stop us. They would love it. All right, 877-381-3811 here on the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one. Let's go to Kevin in Long Island, New York. Kevin, thanks for the call. Thanks for taking my call. You're doing a great job. Thank you, sir. Okay, so uh, I, I'm actually ashamed to say I come from New York. That's I live in, you know, being run by the Tinfoil Hat Club out here. Um, that, that being said, uh, they should be charged. I, I mean, this is a national threat against democracy. They, they, there's got to be a crime here that they committed. I think so. Certainly sounds like it, right? And I think we need a full, absolute, full special counsel investigation into these idiots. Yes. Uh, you, you know, your, your producer kind of wanted to cut my um, comment down, but you had mentioned the Electrical College. Um, uh, if I can, uh, if you took out California and New York, like you just mentioned, uh, that, you know, are run by they get votes by promising rainbows and unicorns, if you took those voters out of the equation, uh, Trump, uh, if memory serves me correctly, Trump uh, lost the popular vote by, what, 3 million votes? If you took that equation out, I think he would have crushed the popular vote. Oh, absolutely. No doubt. No doubt about it. Uh, thanks for the call, Kevin. Appreciate it. I don't know how you stay in New York. I don't know how anybody does. I don't know how Mr. Producer does. But then again, I'm in Jersey, so it's not exactly like it's that much better. I live in a police state. I mean, literally in New Jersey, it's a police state. It's not a joke. This is insane, though. This on the national level. But again, I'm telling you, this coup that they tried to do, this coup that they tried to achieve, a failed coup. Call it what it is. It's a failed coup. If this, if we found out this had happened in, I, I don't know, Venezuela, 
We'd all be saying that. They'd all be saying, oh, a failed coup. It turns out just I mean, just write the story. Right. Turns out that high ranking justice officials were trying to remove a president by invoking the Constitution, but they didn't have the votes in the cabinet. So they failed. Nobody would be saying, well, I'm sure they were very concerned about their country. Everybody would be calling it a, a, a failed coup. Why don't they do that here? Why don't they do that here is the question. Because they would have loved it to succeed. 877-381-3811. Mark's off tonight. The great one's off. Rich Zioli in for Mark. Coming right back. Mark Lovin. The new congressional leadership is in town, but there's nothing new about what they're pushing. Big government, centralized government, iron-fisted government, higher taxes, more regulations, open borders. They're on a mission to obstruct our freedom and undermine our sovereignty. Yours, mine, all of ours. And too many representatives don't care. This is the nature of progressivism. It's an ideological poison. And the best way to fight it is with knowledge, information about liberty, about the Declaration, about the Constitution, and how Congress is supposed to work. It's up to we, the people, to understand what our government is and is not supposed to do. And that includes Congress. And thankfully, my good friends at Hillsdale College have brought back the powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress, and it's absolutely free. Please take advantage of this remarkable offer to equip yourself your family, your friends, your neighbors, with the knowledge that all of us should have about our Congress and our government generally. Hillsdale College is on a critical mission to restore liberty in our great country. And you can take their excellent online courses for free for a limited time. So sign up right now for this important course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore so we can do something about it. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. What the uh, big, big problem with all of this is that there's no outrage from the left because they wanted it to work. They wanted the coup to succeed. Ultimately, they'd love a police state. That's the truth. The Mark Levin Show. Welcome back. The great one's off tonight. Rich Zioli in for Mark. You know, one of the reasons why I just absolutely was inspired by Mark Levin years ago it's a, it's a funny story, too. He came to an event that I was uh, hosting in Jersey. He had just written Men in Black, and he came to the event. I sent a driver to pick him up at the train station. Driver got him ridiculously lost. And, you know, it's so funny, too, because Mark is like one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. He truly is. Never, ever, ever got frustrated with the driver. I got frustrated with the driver because I couldn't believe that he was driving Mark Levin around in circles. Mark never. And he was. And the driver said he was one of the nicest guys ever. And I got him really, really lost. Anyway, uh, what I loved about Mark's talk that night was the fact that uh, we had a republic founded on this very, very, uh, I'd say a principle of almost fear of a federal government. I mean, the states, very fearful of a powerful federal government. So they put in the Bill of Rights to protect you and me from our federal governments. Why we have all these rights that we have to protect us from government. One of those rights is uh, is a right against the government just, you know, spying on you. Just, you know, invading your life and spying on you and then... If they can do it to the president of the United States of America, what chance do you have? What chance do I have? What chance do any of us have? And the reason why we have these protections is because the government has so much power. And obviously, the framers of the Constitutional Convention here in Philadelphia, where I'm broadcasting from, they they were very mindful of the fact 
that government power only grows. It doesn't shrink ever. So they put in all these restrictions. And over the years, all those restrictions get completely abused and abused and abused. And now we're at a point in our history where the arrogance of the people in the Department of Justice, where they thought they could get away with this, and the fact that they're talking about it now on television. What does that tell you, by the way? I haven't even played you the audio yet of of Andrew McCabe openly talking about a failed coup against the president. What does that say to you? The arrogance of these people, that not only do they think they could get away with this, they're just brazenly talking about it. At least there was a time when a coup that didn't work out, everybody kept their mouth shut because it didn't work and they didn't want to go to prison. Now they just openly, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we tried to do this. Yeah, yeah, we tried. Ah, I just didn't have the votes. But, man, we did a good job of trying. We had a little sheep counting heads. Really thought Rick Perry was going to be with us. Man, were we wrong. I mean, these guys, the hubris of these people, absolute damn hubris to think they could do this and now just talk about it. Yeah. What does that tell you of how powerful our federal government has become over the individual? And now the federal government wants to decide who becomes the president. Now the federal government wants to decide, and the party in power, they want to decide. Not you, not me. They want to decide for us who should be the president. When the government starts picking our president, we're no longer a republic. We are no longer a republic at that moment. It's over. If the government and the party in power gets to choose their successor, what kind of a system is that? The Mark Levin Show, Rich is the only for the great one, coming right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. In fact, the Obama administration, I'd like to know what Obama knows about all this, don't you? I'd like to know what the former president knows about the time they wiretapped Paul Manafort under secret court orders before the election. I'd like to know, wouldn't you? Welcome back. The great one is off tonight on the Mark Levin Show. Rich Zioli, fellow Levinites, glad you're here tonight. Uh, Mark's right. This is a big day for Mark. He's been vindicated on this so many times. A little bit later in the show, I've asked Mr. Producer, we're going to play a little bit of when Mark first talked about the coup against the president all the way back in March of 2017 after they mocked him and mocked him and called him a conspiracy nut and everything else. He's vindicated once again. But don't you want to know what the Obama administration knew? I'd like to know. Today, McCabe, he goes on TV and openly brags about a coup against the President of the United States of America. That's where we are with their arrogance and their hubris right now. I want you to take a listen to this now. This is a clip from the upcoming 60 Minutes, Scott Pelley, with Andrew McCabe. Let's start with uh, cut number two. I was speaking to the man who had just run for the presidency and, and, and won the election for the presidency and who might have done so with the aid of the government of Russia, our most formidable adversary on the world stage. Now, let's stop it for a second here. Let, let's stop it. Uh, there's no proof whatsoever of any help from Russia. Have we had one allegation of Russia tampering a single vote in this country? Uh, a single a single voting machine, for example. Have we ever had any 
any evidence, any allegation, any suspicion that Russia might have come in and somehow when you cast your vote at your polling precinct, Russia might have changed the result of that. Did Russia keep Hillary Clinton from campaigning in Wisconsin? I always ask that question. I'm just curious. Did they put up a fake roadblock to keep her out? And and first of all, when did Russia become our most uh, formidable enemy in the world? Hello, China. How about China? Russia. Our most formidable enemy in the whole world. See the grandstanding here that these people do? All right, let's keep going. With the aid of the government of Russia, our most formidable adversary on the world stage. And that was something that troubled me greatly. How long was it after that that you decided to start the obstruction of justice and counterintelligence investigations involving the president? I think the next day I met with the team investigating the Russia cases and uh, I asked the team to go back and conduct an assessment to determine where are we with these efforts and what steps do we need to take going forward. I was very concerned that I was able to put the Russia case on absolutely solid ground in an indelible fashion that were I removed quickly or reassigned or fired, that the case could not be closed or uh, vanish in the night without a trace. I wanted to make sure that our case was on solid ground and if somebody came in behind me and closed it and tried to walk away from it, they would not be able to do that without creating a record of why they'd made that decision. You wanted to you know what, let's stop it here for a second. Uh, there are in places where we have a police state where people literally disappear in the middle of the night. They do. They just disappear. Enemies of the state, they're gone, just taken away, and they are never seen again. You realize that that's what a police state does, and it's full form. We're at the early stages of it here. These guys almost succeeded. But when the government is involved in politics, when the law enforcement division of government is exercising political powers, that's what happens. People disappear in the middle of the night. People just go away like they never existed. And yet this guy's sitting here perpetuating a police state against a president of the United States of America. You notice how he says to them, I told them to ramp it up. He doesn't say, well, we found this evidence. You realize this entire time, he doesn't mention any evidence found. He just tells them, keep working harder. Work harder, you'll find something. Keep going, get more people in. Do whatever you got to do. Find something, find anything. It's exactly, by the way, what Adam Schiff is doing in the House what, uh, what Nadler's doing, what the attorney general of the state of New York is doing, just dig and dig and dig until you find something. That's not how our justice system is supposed to work. The government is not just supposed to keep looking until they find something because they don't like the results of an election. That's not ever the concept of due process, which these people just don't give a damn about. That's very obvious. All right, keep going. I wanted to make sure that our case was on solid ground, and if somebody came in behind me and closed it and tried to walk away from it, they would not be able to do that without creating a record of why they'd made that decision. You wanted a documentary record. That's right. That those investigations had begun because you feared that they would be made to go away. That's exactly right. Like people in police states who are just made to go away. He wasn't made to go away. He kept going here. Get more people on the job. Eventually, we'll find something. They never did. They still have not found a damn thing. You realize that? Still have not found a damn thing. Trying to remove a president of the United States from office. And there's Scott Pelley just sitting there. 
You know, I, I'd love for somebody, I, maybe Scott Pelley will ask him this in the full 60 Minutes interview. What do you think the implications would be if the FBI removes presidents that they don't like? What do you think the implication would be? You know, here's Peter Strzok going back and forth. We can stop this. We can stop this. We can change the outcome. But I'm sure Scott Pelley would have loved for them to have succeeded like so many others in the media, don't you think? I think he would have loved that to have happened. There's no question about it. Now, Scott Pelley and the CBS Morning Show crew discuss the Andrew McCabe, uh, all of this nonsense with uh, Nora O'Donnell and Gail King and the other guy, John Dickerson. Take a listen. The most illuminating and surprising thing in the interview to me were these eight days in May when all of these things were happening behind the scenes that the American people really didn't know about. There were meetings at the Justice Department in which it was discussed whether the vice president and a majority of the cabinet could be brought together to remove the president of the United States under the 25th Amendment. These were the eight days from Comey's firing to the point that Robert Mueller was appointed special counsel. And the highest levels of American law enforcement were trying to figure out what to do with the president. And I just want to put a finer point on that because there has been reporting, but I don't believe there has been a source that went on the record to confirm that that 25th Amendment was discussed about removing the president. So McCabe is saying that that was discussed. Absolutely. McCabe, uh, Nora, as you point out, is the very first person involved in these meetings who has come out and spoken publicly. That there was a discussion underway about removing the president of the United States. There, they were counting noses. They were not, not asking cabinet members whether they would vote for or against removing the president, but they were speculating this person would be with us, that person would not be, and they were counting noses in that effort. I love how Nora O'Donnell's sitting there and acting like this means that the president should be removed from office. Oh, they're actively discussing it. Instead of being concerned that here is the law enforcement division of government talking about removing a president who was elected by the American people, she's sitting there going, well, obviously, if they're talking about it, maybe he should be removed. And that's how a lot of people in the media and the left think. Well, they had the conversation, so clearly, clearly he should be removed. As opposed to looking at this as what it is, a bunch of partisan hacks, arrogant as hell, using powers that they should not have for political purposes, using that against a president they never wanted to win. Instead of that, they sit there and go, wow, they had the conversation, huh? They must be really serious. What? What have they found? What did Andrew McCabe say to justify any of this? That's the only question that should be asked today. Did Andrew McCabe come up with anything to justify any of this? And the answer is no. That to me is the most stunning thing. If we found out the police, say your local police department, just busting some guy's chops for uh, two years, spying on him, going through his, uh, his house, following him home over and over again. And two years later, they found nothing. How, how would the media react to that, by the way? Think the media would say that was cool? Think the ACLU would be okay with that? Because they don't say a word about this, by the way. They don't say a damn word about this. Besides Dershowitz, there's no other person on the left in the Democratic Party or anybody who even, even ever raises the civil liberties fears that everybody should be feeling today. If the local cops, you know, just said, oh, we think the guy's a drug dealer and we're going to keep following him. Eventually we'll find something. We'll just keep spying on him. And when he's at work, we'll go through his things. We'll listen to his phone calls. We'll find something for two years. And then they find nothing. 
That's the equivalent of this. Andrew McCabe sits there and tells Scott Pelley, we did all this. We talked about all this. We had all these investigations. We still have not found a damn thing to justify any of this. And yet, this guy sitting there openly bragging about conversations invoking the 25th Amendment of the Constitution. Just think about that for a second. Let that stew in your head for a moment, please. Had Andrew McCabe said, and you know what, Scott? That's because we found out Vladimir Putin had an algorithm that changed all the votes in uh, in Philadelphia, for example. Changed all the votes in this place or that place on the main line or someplace deep in Ohio. Turns out Hillary Clinton actually won those places. But Russian infusion using some sort of a Vladimir Putin beam changed all the votes. And we got him, Scott. We got him. There has not been a single even accusation of Russia doing anything to affect the outcome of the election. Not, not, not one thing. We do know, though, that the Clinton campaign and the DNC did collude with Russians to create the dossier. That we know. They did collude with Russians to create an opposition research document, which then the FBI took as a basis to get warrants in a secret FISA court proceeding to spy on American citizens who were engaged in a political campaign. That we do know. That we know. 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811 here on the Mark Levin Show. All right. I know you want to weigh in on this, and I do want to take your calls. I do want to hear from you on this. I mean, can you just believe this, this situation right now? And you agree with me that they are not concerned about this whatsoever because they, they hope they, they actually hope that these guys would have succeeded. That's their hope. That's the hope of the media and the left. They're just, they're just, They're actually bummed out that McCabe and his cronies did not do a better job. They were rooting for him. They wanted him to succeed. They would love a police state. They'd love Trump gone without question. 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Show. Rich Zioli in for the great one coming right back. Mark Levin. your gift this valentine's day which is today how about taking 10 or 15 years off your appearance with the new genucel jawline treatment no more turkey neck no more double chin no more sagging jawline and it works works amazingly well just listen to linda b from marina del rey she says i love your jawline cream really works i mean i really see a difference that people never believe my age it works And from now till Valentine's Day, so that's today, this is over today, the brand new GenuCell jawline treatment is yours free. When you order GenuCell for bags and puffiness under the eyes and for results in 12 hours, the GenuCell immediate effects is also free. Just go to GenuCell.com or call 800-SKIN-604. GenuCell.com, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com or 800-SKIN-604. Say goodbye to that double chin. No turkey necks, all right? No bags under your eyes. No laugh lines. No more crow's feet. Guaranteed or your money back. Call 800-SKIN-604 or GenuCell.com. Order now. Get the GenuCell XV Collagen Builder and free express shipping. That's three free gifts and free shipping. Last week, order now. 800-SKIN-604. 800-SKIN-604 or GenuCell.com. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com. GenuCell.com. It is the Mark Levin Show, and I am Rich Zioli, in for the great one. 
Here's what I'm going to do a little bit uh, we come back. I've asked Mr. Producer to play this. I know Mark would love to be with you tonight, and I know you would love to have Mark here tonight. And as a fellow Levinite, I would love to have Mark here tonight. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring Mark to you as best we can by playing an audio clip from March 5th, 2017. See, Mark predicted all of this with this coup and this police state. He was mocked and ridiculed for it. And on a day like today, when Andrew McCabe talks about a coup and a failed coup against the president, I, I want to I want you to hear it directly from Mark. So we're going to do that after the break. I've asked Mr. Producer to compile that for us. But there's breaking news right now. I want to tell you about this breaking news because this is huge. You might have heard about this Jussie Smollett. He's an actor on a show called Empire. He claimed that he was beat up in Chicago by a couple guys who yelled, this is MAGA country. And a whole bunch of lefties and media types came out and called it a modern day lynching. Yes, that's right. Kamala Harris, the presidential candidate and perpetual grandstander from California. She said the attack was a modern day lynching. Among other people who went off and off and off and how terrible it was. Jussie Smollett, it turns out now, breaking news story being reported right now. The whole thing was staged. Whole thing was staged. The bleach in the face, the bruises, all of it. Cory Booker, my grandstanding senator from New Jersey, Spartacus, Captain Grand, Count Grandstangela, he had tweeted the vicious attack on actor Jussie Smollett was an attempted modern day lynching. I'm glad he's safe. They blame Trump for this, of course. And Booker, by the way, took the time to say it's time to pass our anti-lynching bill, designating lynching as a federal hate crime. Because Jesse Smollett also said that they lynched him. They tried to lynch him. They had a noose around his neck. Well, now it's all coming out. The entire thing was a fraud. The entire thing was staged because he was getting written off the show, apparently. This is all coming out now. And this is unbelievable. I called this, by the way, the day it came out. I said, this is made up. This is, this is a, this is a fugazi, as we say here on the East Coast. It's a fugazi because this doesn't happen. Nobody trolls the streets of Chicago at 2 a.m. when it's 70 below zero looking to beat up Jussie Smollett and yell MAGA country and throw bleach in his face with a noose. It doesn't happen. According to ABC7 New York tweeting out, sources say Jussie Smollett staged the attack with the help of others. Allegedly being written off Empire. Now, if this allegation is true, then he needs to be charged with a crime of making a false police report, doing a whole bunch of other things, by the way. Uh, A source briefed on the Smollett investigation confirmed to ABC News that Chicago police are questioning two persons of interest, one of whom has appeared on the show Empire. And apparently they're Nigerian men. I guess the men are from Nigeria. I would love to hear them say this is MAGA country in their Nigerian accent. I think that'd be really fun to hear. Once again, a fake, fake hate incident blaming Trump and blaming Trump supporters and blaming, you know, and now we find out the whole thing is a fugazi. I called it. I called it that day. I said, no way. First of all, what gave it away for me was it was too damn cold that night. It was literally 70 below zero. I mean, if you're going to go out at 2 a.m. and commit a hate crime, at least you're going to wait till it warms up, right? I mean, that's just common sense. You're not going to do that. In a, I mean, most people who do hate crimes at least wait till the temperature breaks zero, I would think. I mean, sort of in the hate crime handbook, I would imagine, right? 
And uh, then the other thing, too, that made me uh, tip me off about this was bleach appear- apparently freezes. At, I think somebody said 17 degrees, but they threw bleach and it didn't freeze. Well, there you go. A lot going on tonight. A very, very busy Mark Levin show tonight. And I'm so glad you're here. We'll hear from the great one from 2017 when he first broke the story of this coup that was taking place here on the Mark Levin show with me, Rich Zioli. In for the great one. Do not go away. Talk back to your radio? Then you must be listening to Mark Levin. Pick up the phone and call 877-381-3811. Now, before we get to that audio, a recent study shows Americans are sleeping less than ever. And, you know, lack of sleep ruins your performance. It is not good. Well, it's time to improve every aspect of your life by getting the best night's sleep of your life on a brand new set of bowl and branch sheets. The softest, most comfortable, 100% pure organic cotton sheets in the world. Now, I just bought two sets of these amazing Bowl and Branch sheets. I went to their store, actually, which is up in North Jersey, and it was great. Great experience. These sheets are, these sheets are outstanding. I actually even bought the uh, mattress, too. Hundreds of thousands of Americans sleep better thanks to Bowl and Branch, and they are the only sheets loved by three U.S. presidents. Now, all of their products, from the signature soft sheets to the cozy throw blankets to their plush towels are made the right way, not the easy way. These sheets are made to last. These sheets are made to last for an incredibly long time. They are naturally derived products made with the highest level of craftsmanship. And every purchase comes with a 30-day risk-free trial. You get $50 off your first set of sheets, plus free shipping at bowlandbranch.com. Just use promo code MARK. That's bowlandbranch.com, B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code MARK for $50 off. You are going to love these amazing, so soft, and yet crisp organic sheets. I bought two sets. By the way, the store is amazing. The nicest people, and I laid down on that mattress, and I said, okay, I'm sold. This is amazing. They're really committed to giving you the best night's sleep of your life, without question. Bowlandbranch.com, promo code MARK. All right, Rich Zioli in for the great one. I know Mark wishes he could be here with you tonight, and uh, we all wish Mark could be here on a day like today when you find out there was, in fact, a coup, an attempted coup, a failed coup against the President of the United States of America. Back in March of 2017, Mark broke all this down. He was the first person to ever piece it all together. And I think it's very important for you to hear from Mark directly on this point. Because if I, you know, if I had a scientist who... Uh, you know, discover the cure for something. And then, you know, that day everybody acknowledged, wow, he was right. And we had access to that. Well, you would have to hear it. And we have access to Mark Levin breaking it down, finding out there was, in fact, a major virus going on in our government. So he's like a scientist. He's like a biologist who found out there was a invasive species going through the personal liberty of so many private citizens. Take a listen. The evidence is overwhelming. This is not about President Trump's tweeting. This is about... The Obama administration's spying. And the question isn't whether it's spied. We know they went to the FISA court twice. The question is, who did they spy on? The extent of the spying. That is, the Trump campaign, the Trump transition, Trump surrogates. And I want to walk you through this, the American people. Exhibit one. Exhibit one. This is all public. Head Street. 
two separate sources with links to the counterintelligence community have confirmed that the FBI sought and was granted a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court. This is spying. Uh, in October, giving counterintelligence permission to examine the activity of, quote, U.S. persons in Donald Trump's campaign with ties to Russia. Let me go on. This isn't me. They say the first FISA request, sources say name Trump, was denied back in June, denied by the court. Mm -hmm. But the second was drawn more narrowly and was granted in October after evidence was presented of a server possibly related to the Trump campaign and its alleged links to two banks. Now, Sources suggest that a FISA warrant was granted to look at the full content of emails and other related documents that may concern U.S. persons. Now, I know people are hung up with Trump's word wiretapping. Well, how'd they get access to this server information? Does it really matter if it was wiretapping, electronic surveillance, or whatever it was? Exhibit 2, The Guardian, a well-known right-wing British paper. Here it is. Uh, Quote, the Guardian has learned the FBI applied for a warrant from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court over the summer in order to monitor four members of the Trump team suspected of irregular contacts with Russian officials. Keep in mind, this is during a presidential election. The sitting president, the incumbent party, is now investigating the presidential candidate of the Republican Party and his campaign to some extent. The FISA court turned down the application asking FBI counterintelligence investigators to narrow its focus. According to one report, the FBI was finally granted a warrant in October. Exhibit three, McClatchy, another well-known right-wing newspaper. <laughs> Here they have the agencies. Headline, FBI, five other agencies, five other Obama administration agencies pro possible covert Kremlin aid to Trump. The FBI and five other law enforcement intelligence agencies have collaborated for months in an investigation into Russian attempts to influence the November election, including whether money from Kremlin uh, covertly aided presidential-elect Donald Trump. Two people familiar with the matter said the agencies involved in the inquiry are the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, the Justice Department, the Treasury Department's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, and representatives of the director of the National Intelligence. Are you telling me Barack Obama didn't know what was Mark, going on in six go, agencies? As you hold go on, on hold why, on, how are hold you on. Okay, keep going. I'm not done. I need to make the case. Because the media seems to be confused about their own reporting. New York Times, another well-known liberal outlet, intercepted Russian communications part of inquiry into Trump associates January 19. The FBI is leading the investigations aided by the NSA, the CIA, Treasury Department's Financial Crimes Unit, the investigators have accelerated their efforts in recent weeks, but have found no exclusive, uh, conclusive evidence of wrongdoing. Listen to this. One official said intelligence reports based on some of the wiretap communications have been provided to the White House. This is the New York Times. Another right-wing outlet. Four. Another right-wing outlet, Let's yeah. continue. <laughs> New York Times again. NSA gets more latitude to share intercepted communications. In the final days of the Obama administration, uh, the administration has expanded the power of the NSA to share globally intercepted personal communications with the government's 16 other intelligence agencies before applying privacy protections. Now, why would they do this on the way out the door? Well, March 1, Exhibit 6, Obama administration rushed to preserve intelligence of Russian election hacking. In the Obama administration's last days, listen to this, some White House officials scrambled to spread information about Russian efforts 
to undermine the presidential election and about possible contacts between associates of President-elect Trump and Russians across the government. I'm not done. <laughs> Exhibit 7, New York Times. Flynn is said to have talked to Russians about sanctions. Trump took office. Well, where'd they get this information? Well, Mark, you know, the FISA court, they're always monitoring the, uh, the uh, Russian ambassador. And so how do we know that? Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But there's an awful lot of other activity. Sure. Here we have Washington Post. One more. Washington Post, March 2nd. U.S. investigators have examined contacts Attorney General Sessions had with Russian officials during the time he was advising Donald Trump's campaign. The focus of the U.S. counterintelligence investigation has been on communication between Trump campaign officials mm -hmm. and Russia. Listen to this. The inquiry involving Sessions is examining his contacts while serving as Trump's foreign policy advisor in the spring and summer of 2016. This has been going on for a year. For a year, by the way. Uh, that was from March of 2017 when Mark said all that, outlined all that. And they called him, uh, they went after him as a conspiracy nut after that. Well, once again, he's vindicated as we find out today that Andrew McCabe and his little FBI buddies talked about over an eight day period a coup against the president of the United States of America. Yes. 877-381-3811 here on the Mark Levin Show. All right, let's take some reaction to this. Uh, Terry is in Sutton, Massachusetts. Hi, Terry. Hi. Um, forgive me, I'm a little nervous. Not used to talking on the radio. Um, you're doing great. Forget, am I on the radio? Yes, and you're doing great so far. Go ahead. Sorry. Let's not forget that these people committed crimes, starting with Hillary herself. There was the illegal email server. There was Benghazi. There was the cover-up. And the people who covered up for her and who didn't want her to be um, charged because they wanted her to win, how terrified would they be if she didn't win and all of their cover-ups and illegal activities were discovered? Exactly. So that was a whole other aspect. It wasn't just that they didn't want Trump, but they knew that if Hillary didn't win, all of their illegal activities could possibly be exposed. And could I add one more thing? Yes. That Russia, whoever would think that Russia wanted Trump to be elected when we have a pretty good idea that Russia had already bought Hillary through the Uranium One deal and all of that, they already knew how to own Hillary. They wanted her to be president, not Trump. You're exactly right. And, uh, and thank you for the call. You did great, Terry, for your first call, by the way. Yeah. Did excellent. 877-381-3811. I think a couple things here, number one. I think that, yes, they wanted Hillary to win, but they also thought she would win. Let's be honest. I mean, at the time of the election, most people were looking at the polls and saying she's going to win. Right. So you're a bureaucrat. Put yourself in their shoes for a moment. You're a bureaucrat. You're a hack and you want to keep your job. And you want to make sure that you bet on the right horse. So they all bet on the wrong horse. They bet on Hillary Clinton thinking that she's going to finish first. That's why James Comey cleared her. That's why the email investigation was a sham. They figured there's no way that Donald Trump can ever become president. She's got this thing. It's a lock. And we want to make sure when she's president, oh, she remembers us. You know, she remembers us as the uh, faith, faithful ser soldiers that we are. So we'll do whatever we have to do for the boss. See, they recognize that she would be the boss if she had won because the president is, in fact, the boss of the Justice Department as he's the boss of the entire executive branch of government. 
I always laugh at these people on TV that say, well, you know, the uh, independence of the Justice Department. It's not independent. It's part of the executive branch. Nobody ever says the uh, independence of the uh, U.S. uh, Forestry Service or, you know, the Department of the Interior. No, No, these things are part of the executive branch of government. They are there to help the president do his job. So they thought, all right, Hillary's going to be the boss. Let's do everything we can to make sure she knows we're on her team. And they, they, I'm sure they imagined major, major career promotions and success and maybe, who knows, future jobs as the attorney general or the head of the FBI or who knows. These are ambitious people. So while I think there's a number of things going on here, I think that Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, his, uh, his gumara, I think they absolutely 100% were driven by ideology. I think they're radical leftists who did not want Trump to win. I mean, that's pretty obvious. That's pretty obvious from all of their... It wasn't just for them about ensuring that the boss liked them down the road. It was actually because they, they are, they're lefties. That much we know. McCabe is probably not as ideological in that sense. But McCabe probably figures that uh, he hates Trump. And then when Trump got elected, and he did do all these things. All of these things during the election that Mark told you about. Spying on all these people, violating their their civil liberties and going before FISA judges and basically, I mean, basically withholding important evidence before a judge that might make that judge think twice before granting a warrant. Like, hey, Your Honor, just so you know, everything we're basing this on comes from a dossier that was paid for by the Democrats and Hillary Clinton. Now, maybe that FISA judge would have looked at it differently. So, yes, Andrew McCabe, to uh, my last caller's point, Andrew McCabe did not want Donald Trump to win. And when he did win, they were all afraid. Oh, my God, we're all going to be exposed here. All of this stuff we did, all these illegal crimes that we committed are all going to come out. So now we got to close the loop. We got to make sure that anybody who knows about this can can all rally together and do whatever they can do to ensure that this guy does not stay president. And that's what they tried to do. And they failed at that, too. The bureaucracy always covers for itself. The bureaucracy always covers for itself. This is the problem. This is what you see here. And you see this going on, and they have a lot that they need to cover up. Probably more than we could ever imagine. But the fact that this guy, this jerk McCabe, is sitting there bragging about a coup d'etat against the President of the United States of America, an attempted coup, a failed coup, What does that tell you about the institutional bureaucracy in this country? Now, they are so comfortable and safe in their towers in D.C. They have been there longer than presidents. They've been there longer than attorneys general. And they believe they are the true power, whether it's a bureaucrat in the EPA making orders through rules in the Federal Register, or it is a uh, a hack at the Department of Justice trying to, to change the outcome of an election. These people in the bureaucracy think they are, in fact, the real power, and they'll outlast anybody who's elected. That is the real root of the problem here. 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Show. Rich Zioli in for the great one. Don't go away. Mark Levin. Breaking news, but first, you know, you've heard about this drug pricing plan Secretary Azar has come up with. 
And it is uh, turning out to be really bad for your health. This is just one disturbing part of this socialist plan. It has to do with Medicare Part D. And uh, under this proposal, you can be denied access to life-saving drugs that treat serious conditions. Now, that can't happen now because they are protected, but Secretary Azar wants to change that. Under his plan, if the estimated wholesale cost of any of these life-saving drugs were to increase by more than the rate of inflation, even temporarily, it would trigger a regulation that could deny access to that drug to people who need it. The estimated wholesale cost is an arbitrary estimate of a drug manufacturer's list price to wholesalers. and has no relationship to the price you pay for drugs. In short, this policy could deny treatments to patients based upon a meaningless index. You don't want to be fighting cancer, and at the same time, you're worrying about being denied access to the drug you need to save your life. Now, I'm speaking out against Secretary Azar's plan. Mark's speaking out against it because it's dangerous to your health. This, plus the proposed price controls on drugs, are a threat to our health and, of course, our liberty. Get the facts. Go to True healthcarefacts.com so it's true hyphen healthcare hyphen facts.com true healthcarefacts.com i actually think it's all one word true healthcarefacts.com no hyphens forgot what i said true healthcarefacts.com all together all right go there and check it out get the facts and fight this price fixing socialist nonsense all right do that now please and you will be uh, helping, and you'll be on the side of the good fight. TrueHealthCareFacts.com. All right, the uh, big breaking news here on the Mark Levin Show is that uh, Empire actor Jesse Smollett, it was all a hoax. Now, I called this the day it came out, and because it was just so obvious, for so many different reasons it was obvious, but now we know, according to a news report, that, uh, yeah, they staged the whole damn thing. So here's what we'll do. We'll uh, talk about that a little bit later in hour three for you. But there is a horrific bill the president may sign. My man, it's bad. His border bill, this is bad. Even with a national emergency declaration, it's bad. So I'm going to talk about that as well. Because you got to understand, as Daniel Horowitz over at Conservative Review has broken down, there are five insane provisions in the amnesty omnibus bill and even without a uh, with a declaration of a national emergency, these things stand if they're law, and that gets challenged in court. So this has to be stopped. This is a bad, bad bill, and we're going to talk about it as well for you in the Mark Levin Show. And, of course, the Empire actor making it all up. Play a little montage in the next hour of a whole bunch of lefties grandstanding and blaming Trump for a hate crime in Chicago that now we find out was staged. As people who did not yell MAGA country made it all up just to, I guess, help the guy's career. I'm not quite sure. But I do know, though, that uh, making a false police report is a crime. So the question will be, of course, will Jussie Smollett be charged with a crime? The same day he goes on ABC News, Good Morning America, and, uh, (laughs) you know, changes his story, goes on there. And now it all blows up in his face. And we knew this was going to be a hoax because nobody beats up anybody at 2 a.m. when it's 70, negative 70 degrees in Chicago and yells, this is MAGA country. The Mark Levin Show, Rich is the only in for the great one. Hour number three, straight ahead. Do not go away. He's here. He's here. Now, run.
Broadcasting them from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. This is a bad, bad bill the president should not sign, even with a declaration of national emergency. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Rich Zioli in for the great one tonight. 877-381-3811. Fellow Levinites, glad you're here tonight. Busy, busy night. First of all, this uh, updated one minute ago. This alleged uh, hate crime in Chicago by a couple of uh, Trump-supporting MAGA guys. This actor, Jussie Smollett, who claimed he was beat up, they tried to lynch him through bleach in his face, and they yelled, this is MAGA country. MAGA as in Make America Great Again. Well, a whole bunch of people on the left came out and called it a hate crime and said this is Trump's America, Cory Booker, Count Grandstangela, as I call him. He grandstanded as usual, having another Spartacus moment. And it turns out the whole thing's a a, a fugazi, as we call it here in uh, Jersey. Chicago police confirmed Thursday that detectives are talking to two persons of interest in connection with the alleged attack on Empire actor Jesse Smollett. Multiple sources have told ABC7 Eyewitness News that police are investigating whether Smollett and the two men staged the attack allegedly because Smollett was being written off of the show Empire. A source familiar with the investigation told the ABC I-Team that Smollett failed to appear for an interview with detectives earlier today. Chicago Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson contacted ABC7 to say they are continuing to treat him as a victim and the investigation remains ongoing. Smollett released a statement Thursday evening saying, quote, today, Jussie did answer routine follow up questions for Chicago Police Department and continues to cooperate. His representative says he's not being written off of Empire. 20th Century Fox has released a statement saying the idea that Jussie Smollett has been or would be written off of Empire is patently ridiculous. He remains a core player on this very successful series and we continue to stand behind him. Of course, nobody's actually coming out and saying that the idea that he would have staged this is ridiculous. Nobody's saying that at all. The law enforcement official told ABC News that the homes of the persons of interest were raided Wednesday night. Police removed shoes, electronic devices, and other items they believe could help them determine if the two people played any role in the assault from those homes. Hmm. One of the two, by the way, has appeared on the show Empire. Chicago police said they cannot confirm any of those reports. No charges have been filed. Earlier, police said two persons of interest are not suspects and have not been charged. Investigators are only talking with them at this time. The two were picked up Wednesday night at O'Hare International Airport. Smollett said he was attacked around 2 a.m. on January 29th in the 300 block of East North Walter Street in Chicago's Streeterville neighborhood. He told police two masked men shouted a homophobic homophobic slur at him, attacked him, put a rope around his neck, and poured a liquid on him that smelled like bleach, and yelled, this is MAGA country. He's 36, he's black, and openly gay. That's from the ABC News report. And, by the way, goes on Twitter and trashes Trump all the time. All the time. So now let's understand what he was alleging now. It's negative 70 degrees in Chicago, 2 a.m. on January 29th. And a couple of guys walking around, just waiting for the opportunity now to attack him, put a noose around him, throw bleach in his face, beat him up and yell, this is MAGA country. 2 a.m. on the streets of Chicago. The least MAGA country place Probably on Earth, by the way. 
in Chicago. I just to believe that. And again, you know, I checked the um, the hate crime handbook during the break, and they always say you got to wait till at least it's about. 15 degrees, you know, 30 degrees like that, never below 70, negative 70. It's just the wrong time to do it. You know what I mean? It's a terrible time to do a hate crime. So, you know, there's that. There's that. Usually uh, hate crimes are done uh, in the daytime. And well, actually, they're really rarely done. That's part of it. It's like these receipts that are written, you know, these fake receipts. I'm not tipping you because I hate you because you're an immigrant. and, And these things always turn out to be fake. Here's the reality. Uh, people who are racist don't write it on notes and receipts. They just don't do that stuff because they probably don't go to a restaurant that's a Mexican restaurant in the first place. Uh, they Also, people who are looking to beat up Jussie Smollett on the streets to yell homophobic slurs at him and then yell, this is MAGA country, don't do that either because... Well, if you're a MAGA person, you probably have to get up for work the next day. You also have a brain, so you're not going out when it's negative 70. And I'll say this point, too. They had come up with this phony note that he says he received in the mail, which looks like my four-year-old wrote it. It's like I said to him, uh, hey, hey, Patrick, do me a favor. Can you write Daddy a note and pour, like, like stick figures on there? And then, and then we'll send that to him, and we'll, we'll say it's like that. It's like a ransom note written by the son of Sam, but... But, 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 but by a three-year-old. You know what I mean? Well, anyway, this is a little montage of all of the, uh, the left and the media who had uh, blamed Trump, declared this to be a symptom of Trump's America. Beaten with a noose around his neck and hospitalized. Empire star Jesse Smollett was the victim of a vicious, racist, and homophobic attack. And his attackers hurled racial and homophobic slurs. Two people yelled, Racist and homophobic slurs. Racial and homophobic slurs. Not only homophobia, we're talking about racism. We're talking about hate with steroids. They are looking for two suspects who are apparently wearing Make America Great Again hats. The offenders uttered, this is MAGA country. The hate crime went down early this morning in Chicago. Officials are investigating the alleged assault as a hate crime. And now police say they're investigating this as a possible hate crime. Anyone attacked in a hate crime like this is an outrage this is this is stomach turning mind boggling mm-hmm. information it, it's out of control speaker of the house nancy pelosi tweeting the racist homophobic attack on jesse smollett is an affront to our humanity and senator cory booker said the vicious attack on actor jesse was an attempted modern day lynching kamala harris calling the attack an attempted modern day lynching but i'm so shaken by the story <sighs> This is horrible to report. This is a horrible story. I like this is a horrible story. Yeah. I mean, the circumstances are just horrific. Horrendous and unacceptable. Absolutely despicable. Yeah, a lot of people can't believe this is actually happening in 2019. It's hard to believe that we're reporting, that we're even saying words like this in 2019. Mm -hmm. Mm. This is America in 2019. Actually, it's not. It's not American 2019. It, what actually is American 2019 is a guy who's getting written off the show, has a couple of his buddies stage an attack to get him a lot of attention. At least that's the way it appears to be. I'm on Twitter, by the way, at Rich Zioli, R-I-C-H-Z-E-O-L-I. Feel free to tweet. Uh, Johnny corrects me. He says, it wasn't really negative 70 that night. It was below zero. But the really, really cold night was the next one. Well, then perhaps I stand corrected. Perhaps those guys did do it because the timing was right. Just right below zero. Just right there in, at 2 a.m. in Chicago. The perfect time for a... Anyway, uh, it's all falling apart. 
a lynching, a modern-day lynching. 877-381-3811 here on the Mark Levin Show. All right, let's talk to Dan in Parsippany, New Jersey. Dan, go ahead, sir. Uh, we should go back to these FISA warrants and see who petitioned for them and who was uh, responsible for their issue. It's all part of a big cover-up. I frequent with Governor Murphy's office and his staff, Nor- Normie and Vince Nallis. They were in the computer listening to sound bites regarding a mail correspondence I sent. Daniel Sattel, mm-hmm. you, you, this guy, this guy's amazing. This guy tries to get through all the time. This guy, this guy clearly has nothing better to do with his life. I. Yeah, call last time. I, I guess I don't know, Mister Call Screener. I guess this guy's just trolling us. It's funny. Uh, good troll. Well, well done trolling. But uh, nice try. Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. Jimmy in Brooklyn, New York. Jimmy, go ahead, sir. Yes, this Russian collusion hoax shows something very important. I think you have the, almost the entire media. You have the entire Democrat Party. You have teachers, professors, the entertainment people, all working together, pushing this Russian collusion hoax. These hoaxes are the same people that pushed the global warming hoax. They're the same people that pushed the defeat of communism hoax. These three major hoaxes that could be proven were totally false, and they're hoaxes. It's basically the same movement. It's a coalition of Democrat and Republican globalists. It's internationalist, which is the communist, the socialist, the Marxist. It's a coalition of people on the left, and they've been successful until people like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez came along. I think she kind of blew it by being too forceful with her socialist and Marxist agenda. One more thing. The, the Trump presidency, in these couple of years... You have the 100th anniversary of the Soviet Revolution, the 200th birthday of Karl Marx, and this year is the 100th anniversary of the founding of the American Communist Party. Now, they thought they would have victory. They never thought Trump would win. Neither did I, to tell you the truth. And I am so glad that Trump came. It's almost like God sent him to save this country. So we are in big trouble, but we have a chance now if we could get people to realize the Russian collusion hoax, the global warming hoax, the defeat of communism hoax is the same movement. And now they're they're exposed. And I totally support Mark Levin. I think he's one of the few people who really, really understand this. And I've been inside the communist movement for over half a century. I could talk for hours and hours, and, and I, I well, know I unfortunately, we don't have the time, Jimmy, but thank you very much for the call. Appreciate it. 877-381-3811. Look, Bernie Sanders is a, is a left-wing communist kook who spent his honeymoon in the Soviet Union, you know, as opposed to an all-inclusive resort in, I don't know, the Caribbean or something. Uh, and, you know, it's funny because I was talking about my four-year-old son, and my mother texted me to say, uh, Patrick heard his name on the radio. My question is, why is he not in bed? It's 8.17. Anyway, 877-381-3811. All right, listen, here on the Mark Levin Show with uh, me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one. I, you know, I said this earlier, too, and I just want to reiterate this point about a police state, because I think it's important. What happened here with Peter Strozak, that's what Congresswoman Bonnie Watson-Coleman called him, Peter Strozak. Actually, take a listen to this for a second. This is actually pretty funny. First of all, Mr. Strozak, I, I want to thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. Secondly, Mr. Strozak, I think you made a big mistake. Congresswoman here. 
Congresswoman uh, Bonnie Watson Coleman. Anyway, uh, what Mr. Strozak did with Lisa Page and what uh, we find out Andrew McCabe admitted to, which is that they try to take a, a, a coup d'etat against the President of the United States, a, a failed coup. That's a police state. Police state. Now, the thing about it is that the media is not outraged over this because, A, they wanted them to be successful. B, they would be fine with a police state. That's how the left can really get their way. All their kookiness, you know, they wouldn't have to worry about their Green New Deal passing in Congress, which it never, ever would. But that's the thing. Their ideas never pass in the legislative branch, ever. They always have to do it through the courts or through some sort of executive fiat, always. That is why they would love a police state to institute all their left-wing, kooky, climate nuttiness as they work to destroy capitalism and take over your life and tell you what to eat and what not to eat. They would love it. And to be able to take away the rights of their political enemies, to silence you, to silence me, they would love it. That's why there's no outrage over the fact that we have a police state in this country. They're rooting for it. 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Show coming right back. Mark Levin. Let us break down this terrible immigration bill, though, shall we? Here on the Mark Levin Show, Rich Zioli with you tonight. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thank you for hanging out with me tonight. Appreciate it very, very much. So uh, this is a bad bill, and uh, Mark has been tweeting about it uh, all day. He posted a lengthy post on his uh, Facebook page, at Mark Levin Show. I encourage you to read it. And I encourage you to uh, pay attention to a couple of different things here. Now, first of all, the idea of the president declaring a national emergency does not get us out of the woods with the poison pills in this bill. And I'll tell you why. My concern here is that if the president declares a national emergency, I mean, the Democrats have already threatened they're going to sue. So they'll go to sue. They'll, they'll try to sue. I'm concerned about an injunction by some uh, left wing judge. But meanwhile, the poison pill provisions in the bill become law, and then those poison pill provisions may survive, but the national emergency may not survive. I mean, it should survive because it's entirely within the president's legal authority to do. Now, you can, you can, you know, look, you can debate the notion of whether or not this is going to open precedent, the Democrats are going to abuse, they've made that threat today, but it's 100% legal for the president to do. There's no question about that. But the poison pills in this bill uh, almost essentially make it impossible to build anything. And in addition to that, if this goes into effect, uh, even with a national emergency, my concern then is that the provisions in this bill will stop anything from occurring unless the national emergency wins in court. Daniel Horowitz, writing over at Conservative Review, has broken this down into five insane provisions in the Amnesty Omnibus Bill, I'm going to break down in, into some detail with you uh, after the break. Because I know one thing, is that is that you appreciate on the Mark Levin Show getting serious information. And learning something and walking away being smarter than everybody else from having listened. And that is something that I strive to do when I have the honor of filling in for Mark. This bill is 1,169 pages. Who the hell has time to... Who's going to read that? Who's going to read this bill, first of all? Nobody. Nobody. Now, what the president could do, by the way, is they, they could do a short-term spending measure and just wait a couple weeks. In other words, keep the government open. 
But give a two-week delay. This is what the House Freedom Caucus is asking for right now. Do something to have some money there to keep the government open for a couple weeks and then work out the details of this bill because this stuff that's coming out right now, it's less of a wall than even what the Democrats already agreed to. Democrats had agreed to $1.6 billion. This bill calls it a day at $1.375 billion, enough to construct 55 miles, but it's worse than that. This bill limits the president's ability to construct barriers to just the Rio Grande Valley sector. And only bollard fencing, not concrete walls of any kind. There's no ability to adapt. Furthermore, Section 231 prohibits construction even within the RGV, Rio Grande Valley, in five locations that are either federal or state lands. Remember, the challenge with building a wall in Texas is that unlike in other states, the feds need to navigate issues with private lands. The first place you construct fencing on is public lands, which are now prohibited in this bill. The national parks along the border have gotten so bad that park rangers are scared to travel alone in them. There's a lot more on this, which I will share with you. Insane provisions. Poison pills being kind, by the way. These pills are just absolute insanity. I'll share with you those provisions upon our return. Rich Zioli in for the great one. Mark Levin coming right back. America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. Yeah, this is a bad bill, kids. A bad bill. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Rich Zioli in for the great one. 877-381-3811. House Freedom Caucus retweeting a uh, tweet here from Representative Mark Green, his statement. Quote, the U.S. Congress must not pass a bill that provides non-citizens nine times more international aid than wall money. $12.8 billion in international aid, $1.25 billion for the wall. Daniel Horowitz writing over at Conservative Review, five insane provisions in the Amnesty Omnibus Bill. I share with you the part about uh, basically it's going to make it impossible to build the wall. Again, my concern is it's 100% legal for the president to declare the national emergency. And, you know, that is without question it is. But unfortunately, because everything goes to the courts now, and unfortunately because the the courts think they are the final arbiter of all things, you know, that's where it's headed. And I, I do not think the judiciary should decide what is a national emergency that should solely be left up to the president. But uh, by the way, this is the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who uh, she was um, licking her fangs today. She said this. I know the Republicans have some unease about it, no matter what they say, uh, because if the president can declare an emergency on something that he has created as an emergency, an, an illusion that he wants to convey, just think of what a president with different values can present to the American people. You want to talk about a national emergency? Let's talk about today, the one-year anniversary of another manifestation of the epidemic of gun violence in America. That's a national emergency. Why don't you declare that emergency, Mr. President? I wish you would. But a Democratic president 
can do that. Democratic president can declare emergencies as well. So the precedent that the president is setting here is something that should be met with great unease and dismay uh, by the Republicans. Well, the voters have to be aware of that. The Congress should probably take a uh, no, not probably. They should take another look at this act of 1976 that grants the president all these powers. But regardless of that fact, it's legal. However, it's going to be challenging court. That process, I don't know how long that'll take. Nobody does. But if this bill passes, and let's just say for hypothetical, because the courts are nuts. Let's just say the Supreme Court says, you can't do this. This exceeds the uh, intent of the, of the, of the law. I, again, I don't think they will. I don't think they will. But with John Roberts, nothing surprises me. Nothing about John Roberts surprises me. So if he sides with the leftists on that, uh, would anybody be surprised? And then if that goes out the window, then you're stuck with this. This ridiculous omnibus bill, this massive, expensive, bloated bill that basically means you're not getting a wall. Because of, of the language in here that's that prohibits construction on public lands. How is that remotely possible that they could pass a bill like that? It limits the bill to uh, the fence, uh, the barrier, whatever the hell they want to call it, uh, only to the Rio Grande Valley in five locations that are either federal or state lands, but but prohibits construction on those lands. Number two, liberal local officials have veto power over the wall. Okay. Section 232A of this bill states that prior to use of any funds made available by this act for the construction of physical barriers, the Department of Homeland Security shall confer and seek to reach mutual agreement regarding the design and alignment of physical barriers within that city. Daniel Horowitz asking, with whom must the feds consult? The local elected officials. Now, you can understand the brilliance of limiting the wall to the Rio Grande Valley. These are the most liberal counties on the border, thanks to the demographics of open borders itself. And there is practically no local official who supports the wall in these counties. What are the consequences? The bill stipulates that such consultations shall continue until September 30th, 2019, or until agreement is reached, if earlier, and may be extended beyond that date by agreement of the parties and no funds made available in the act shall be used for such construction while consultations are continuing thus all the beto o'rourke type of politicians in the region have de facto veto power that's a reason why they didn't authorize fencing in conservative counties like uh, yuma in arizona uh, you know just that part alone there is kooky and nuts and you know, it'd be nice if the Democrats were actually sincere about giving local governments power, but you know they're not, right? They would crush local governments and state governments and have a massive federal government controlling every aspect of life if they could. Every aspect of life. For example, you tell them, hey, no more Department of Education. We'll let the states do it. They go crazy. Oh, no, kids won't be able to read. Tell them no more EPA. Let the states handle the environment. They go, oh, no, because blah, 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 blah. But now they want to give local mayors the ability to veto a wall in their town. See the hypocrisy of this? They could care less about local governments, state governments, having any autonomy from the federal government. They could care less, couldn't care less, depending on how you use that phrase. And please don't debate me on that phrase. It's just not, I couldn't care less. 
whether it's grammatically correct. And it's one of those, uh, you know, it's just an expression. Uh, But the Democrats have no interest in giving local governments or state governments any autonomy from the federal government. They will control every single aspect of their life. They put this in here only because those areas are governed by leftists who will veto the, the wall from being built. It's a little trick they put in there, a poison pill. This is not the party of local government, of small government, of, uh, of, of letting local authorities make their choices. That, this is the party of Common Core, remember, that, that took away the choice of anybody to be able to decide how kids are taught on the local level. Uh, there's another thing in here that Daniel Horowitz points out. The bill contains a blatant amnesty for the worst cartel smugglers. Section 224A prohibits the deportation of anyone who is sponsoring an unaccompanied minor illegal alien or who says they might sponsor an unaccompanied uh, illegal alien. It's truly difficult to understate the betrayal behind this provision. One of the driving factors of this invasion is the misinterpretation of the law. Under current law, Central American teenagers are only treated as refugees if they are A, a victim of a severe form of trafficking, and B, have no relatives in the country. Yet almost half of them are self-trafficked by these very illegal relatives who are indeed present in the country. Rather than clamping down on this fleecing of the American people, the bill gives amnesty to the very people paying the cartels to invade us. Jessica Vaughn of the Center for Immigration Studies said we can call this the MS-13 Household Protection Act of 2019. We know that 80% of the UAC sponsors are in the country illegally. The number of people this would protect would reach to the hundreds of thousands if all of the household or potential household members are counted. ICE has estimated that 30 to 40 percent of the MS-13 members it has arrested in the last two years arrived as unaccompanied minors. Wow. There is no reason to shield any of these individuals from deportation. After all, if the minor is living with family, they should no longer be considered unaccompanied anyway. If there are illegal aliens here who do not yet have a child here to serve as a deportation shield, this certainly is an incentive for them to make the arrangements to bring one. More funding to manage and induce the invasion rather than to deter it, while offering no new funding for ICE deportation agents or immigration judges to speed up asylum claims as the president requested This bill adds another $40 million for the Alternatives to Detention Program, which moves asylum seekers to facilities in the interior of the country where they are usually released. The Center for Immigration Studies has studied interior immigration enforcement for decades and warned that this bill will further expand and institutionalize the catch-and-release policies for those arriving illegally at the border from all over the world. Most of the people have no intention of asking for asylum and know they don't qualify for it, but they are simply joining the illegal population knowing it's unlikely they will ever be deported. The bill funds case management staff to keep tabs on those who don't abscond immediately, but no money for ICE officers to find and remove them. This is going to saddle the communities that have been forced to absorb these new arrivals with billions of dollars of future costs for schooling, health care, and other welfare services. At the same time, the bill reduces border detention beds from 49,000 to 40,000, rather than expanding them as the president demanded. It contains no funding for more border agents. By the way, the bed issue is that uh, if you don't have beds to hold them, then you release them on their own recognizance to appear in court. They don't come back to court. That's the point. 
It offers $3.4 billion for refugee resettlement, more than last year's record levels. Remember, much of the refugee program has been used not just for bringing in traditional refugees from overseas, but to resettle the aforementioned Central American teenagers being sex trafficked through the border, empowering cartels, and taking advantage of us. It also doubles low-skill workers. The bill doubles the number of H-2B non-agricultural unskilled seasonal workers who will continue to be a public charge on America. This gives you a glimpse of what is driving this amnesty bill on the Republican side. This is just a cursory glance through the bill. Taken together, these provisions will aggravate the criminal conspiracy of the cartels and continue the invasion. Just this week, 1,800 family units came in during one 24-hour period. The message of the bill is to come here and seek bogus asylum or to grab a kid and you and others will get amnesty. Plus, there are no wall or policy changes to mitigate these effects. Moreover, this bill will, and this is the key point that I was making earlier, this bill will likely override Trump's executive powers because of the sneaky limitations on wall construction. This is the sort of omnibus bill that ensnared Reagan in Iran-Contra. Signing this bill will undermine his case for an emergency at the border, both legally and politically. If Trump signs this bill instead of vetoing it and firing the people in the White House promoting it, Horowitz is writing, not mine. He deserves to lose re-election. Uh, this is what I mean in terms of that. I know there are a lot of people celebrating the uh, the idea of a declaration of a national emergency. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Because this bill would basically make that, unfortunately, irrelevant for so many reasons. For so many reasons. Number one, I can see a leftist judge turning around and saying, uh, well, Mr. President, there isn't an emergency because you just passed a bill. You just signed a bill. You agreed to all these terms. So there's no emergency. I can see that. Hardwoods can see that. That's the point he's making. And then if you have another leftist court circuit because you know the democrats are already going to file they're going to file a challenge to that they're going to turn around and say the exact same thing well how can there be an emergency if you just passed a bill and agreed to only 1.5 billion dollars in funding why did you agree to it then if there's an emergency it's a trap this bill is a trap president should veto it he needs to veto it don't be fooled by this don't be fooled by this i and this is the thing i and i i just again i have to say this Too often we get excited by things and we get distracted by the actual intentions. I had a few people today texting me. All right, he's going to do it. National emergency. Do a national emergency and veto this bill. But do not sign this bill and do a national emergency because you are basically making your case in court that much weaker. And like I said, if it takes a year for the courts to rule on this, in the meantime, nothing is going to happen with regards to the wall being built. However, all these other little things will happen, which makes this country less secure and radically grows the welfare state, the giant welfare state. So so look at it like that, right? Track A, the national emergency, tied up in court. Maybe the president even loses in court because John Roberts writes the majority ruling. It says, how can there be a national emergency if the president signed a bill? And then that's out, even though the president has 100% constitutional and legal authority to do it. And then now you're left with this insane amnesty omnibus bill. 877-381-3811 is the number. The Mark Levin Show. Your thoughts on what 
the president should do with this bill. I hope this is eye-opening for you. Do not get distracted with the joy of the idea of a national emergency. It's a trap. It's a trap. 877-381-3811. Rich Zioli for the great one coming right back. Mark Lovin. Um, this bill, $9.15 billion for international security assistance. $1.9 billion for foreign food and hunger programs. Remember, there's only $1.5 billion for a wall, right? With all kinds of ways for the wall to never be built. $1.9 billion for foreign food and hunger programs. $3.1 billion for global health programs. $3 billion for international development assistance. billion to support the economies of foreign countries, 4.4 billion for international disaster assistance, 3.8 billion for assistance for foreign refugees. That's a total, Sprite Bart here, a total of $14.9 billion budget. $1.3 billion for a border wall. $14.9 billion budget. You only get $1.3 billion for a border wall. That's it. All the rest, a lot of that is foreign money. Yes, nearly 40 times as much. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Patricia in Tucson, Arizona on the Mark Levin Show. Hi, Patricia. Hello. I'm just calling to, I was going to make the points that you just completely made my whole case. I wanted to call in and voice the fact that him signing this is going to put the whole wall concept into a big black hole. There's no money for it in Arizona. This is the El Paso part. But all day I just kept hearing he ought to sign it and declare a state of emergency. But that will not help because those restrictions are going to be used in court and you might just as well kiss the wall goodbye. You're exactly right. Well said, my dear. Thank you very much for the call. Appreciate that on the Mark Levin Show. Uh, Rich Zioli, the honor filling in for the great one. Look, I'm just saying, you know, today has been a- an incredible day. We started out with this coup, this, this public now admission of an attempted and failed coup against the President of the United States of America. And we end the day now with this steaming pile of bloated foreign expenditures bill that has so many poison pills in it. The wall will never be built. That's it. I'm not exaggerating here. The wall will never be built. As I as I read more about this and I read the warnings from people who have looked into this, I am telling you right now, if this bill is signed, kiss the wall goodbye. National emergency is not going to do a damn thing to help. And in fact, because of the way the courts are, when you sign, the president signs this bill, it's going to be used against him in a court of law. It's going to literally be used against him in a court of law. It's a trap. It's a trap. Don't do it, Mr. President. Veto this. Hey, thanks so much for letting me hang out with you, my fellow Levinites. I'm on Twitter at Rich Zioli, R-I-C-H-Z-E-O-L-I. Thank you very much. And thank you to Mr. Producer, Mr. Call Screener, the Riches. Great job, Riches. I appreciate it very much. It's been an honor to sit in for the great one. And I hope you have a happy Valentine's Day. See you soon. 